One of my favorite things, uh, words, favorite words, I should say, are oxymorons. And uh, you guys know what an oxymoron is. Uh, it's two words that separate mean totally opposite things. But when you put them together, it changes the meaning of the word. And so there are some very common oxymorons. And here's just a few. For example, example uh, freezer burn. I don't know how something can be frozen and burned at the same time, but, you know, that's kind of weird. Jumbo shrimp's my favorite, especially when you're hungry. Uh, pretty ugly. Uh, how can you be pretty and be ugly? I, I don't get that. Right? I mean, how she's pretty, he's ugly, but you're together, you're pretty. I mean, I, I don't get it. Maybe it's a couple. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, icy hot, act naturally. I mean, I don't know how you act and you're natural at the same time. It's kind of weird. Uh, second best. You're second, but you're the best. That one's really tough for me, by the way. Uh, same difference. And sensitive guy may not be an oxymoron, but it really should be. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. There's not a lot of guys like that walking around. And so when I think of oxymorons, I think of, it leads me to think of other things. And one of the things I think about are Americans. And because and we live in a time where people don't appreciate where we've been. People don't appreciate what the price has been paid for them. And we have all this amazing freedom that we can do with whatever we want to do with, and that's fine. But yet so many people are so ungrateful for the things that have been done for them. And, I, and my, one of my favorite things to do, and I don't do it all the time, is, is I love the History Channel when they do World War II stuff. World War II is my favorite time of history. Uh, in fact, my favorite play, one of my favorite places to go is down in Pensacola, Florida. It's the Naval Museum, and it's mostly all World War II stuff. It's really cool. And if you're ever in Pensacola, you ought to go there. It's, it's a great place to be. But, I, but every time I watch something, one of these shows, and especially I was watching one a few years back, and I remember they were talking about the Wake Islands and Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor and... I always learn something I didn't know. I always learn something I didn't learn in a history book. But I always walk away with a great appreciation for the price that's been paid for my freedom. And so we have this new oxymoron in, in America, and I call them ungrateful Americans. Because I don't know how you can be an American and look around the world and be ungrateful for, for anything. For the, the freedom you have, because honestly, if you just look around, there are a lot of places. I mean, people are, are, are coming, trying to get into this country because of the freedom we have. No one's trying to get out to go someplace where you don't have freedom. But really, honestly, the, the greatest, biggest, weirdest oxymoron to me would be this one. It would be an ungrateful Christian. And the truth is there are a lot of Christians who are ungrateful. Ungrateful because maybe we don't understand what gratitude is, and we're going to talk about that today. Ungrateful because maybe God's not doing well, exactly what they want Him to do. Things haven't turned out exactly the way you thought they would. I mean, life is filled with challenges and opportunities to overcome challenges. But at the end of the day, God's, if you're a Christian, God's with you despite the challenge you face in life. And so people who are ungrateful, who say that they are Christ followers, man, that's tough for me. There's a lot of things in my life that didn't, haven't, haven't gone perfect, right? And you could say the same things. Man, there's so much more, 
so much more that I'm so blessed to be part of. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at gratitude, and we're going to look at what it takes to live with gratitude. And, and gratitude starts with the condition of your heart, and the 100th Psalm is about the condition of your heart, and it talks about a grateful heart. And so we're going to dive into that today as we continue this look into the, the book of Psalms. And one, Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, we see these words. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. So let's talk about this thing and just kick right in. The first thing we understand is a grateful heart is joyful. It's joyful. So what does that look like? What does that mean? What does it mean to be joyful? Is joyful the same thing as being happy? So let me go ahead and tell you, totally different things. You can have joy and not be happy. You can be. It's possible to not like your circumstances, but experience joy. It, it's, it's possible. So what is joy? Joy is, is this interesting thing. And when I think of joy, I think of sports. And, and one of my favorite memories, one of my favorite memories of all time was October 6, 2001. Crystal got me a ticket to the Georgia-Tennessee game in Neyland Stadium. Now, what, she didn't, what I didn't really understand, I'm sure she told me, but I'm a husband, so, you know, the listening ear wouldn't pay any attention. And so what I didn't realize until I got there was that I was going to be sitting in a sea of orange. When you live in Kingsport, Tennessee, and you buy a ticket in Kingsport, Tennessee, it's probably not from a Georgia fan, right? And so I was with my red and black in a sea of orange. And we were above the end zone, had a great view. And there was just two people. The guy beside me uh, just called me dog all day. And I call him Vol all day. And we had a really, guess, it was really nice. But two rows up behind me was an obnoxious guy that I'm pretty sure got an early start to the day. <laughs> and that joker screamed at me the entire game. To the point that people were apologizing for him. They say, don't feel bad, he does this all the time. I'm like, okay. And so uh, I didn't say it's kind of like being with my family, but anyway, that's a whole different story. Anyway, not my immediate family. I'm talking extended family. So I don't get that at home. So I was at this game. This is the hobnail boot game. If you're a Georgia fan, you know what I'm talking about. And I was sitting there, and I'm talking with this guy the whole game, and with like a minute or so left in the game, Travis Stevens takes a screen pass. He takes it all the way. I think it was 70 or 80 yards for a touchdown. And I'm telling you, the stadium shook. It was so loud. I mean, people were screaming and hollering. And, and my feet are shaking. I can feel it in my chest. And it was an exuberant expression of joy. My friend two rows back, man, he started talking to me. And some of the things he said are inappropriate, so we're not going to repeat them. But he's screaming at me, and this, it's just awful. The guy beside me goes, well, it was a good game, wasn't it? I said, yeah, I guess it was, but it's not over yet. So said, this game's over. Okay. And so I sit there, and then they get the kickoff, and uh, they squib kick, and they take it down. And with like five seconds left, David Green hits Ferran Hayes in the end zone. I found out like that night when I watched it on ESPN, it was the hobnail boot game. And I'm telling you, when he threw that pass, before he caught it, I was up like this. Because I saw him by himself. And I'm, I'm hollering. 
me, sea of orange, and I am celebrating. And there's this dude like 20 rows up way ahead doing the same thing, but we're hollering, and everyone else is it's stone silence. <laughs> the guy says, good game, Bulldog. I said, good game, ball. I turned back to talk to my friend, <laughs> and he was already out the exit door. I guess he didn't want to talk. But every time I think of joy, I think of that. A sporting event where something really great happens. I remember uh, last year, first game of our football season against Bluffton. They were going for two to win the game, and we stopped them. And man, it was that sideline, it was joyful. It was a hard-fought game. And that's what I think of when I think of joy. I think of, of what happens when you're at a ball game. And so here's what you need to understand about joy. Joy should come naturally out of you. And when you're at a sporting event or something like that, what comes out of you is natural, good or bad. Joy should be what naturally comes from you. So think of joy this way. Joy is, ex is an exuberant expression that comes from a grateful heart. Okay, an exuberant expression that comes from a grateful heart. It is a natural flow of a life that is lived in the current of God's will. In other words, when you commit your life to following Jesus and taking him seriously in his word, joy should just come out of you. All the time. In every circumstance. Good and bad. That's why being joyful and being happy are not the same thing. And I always tell people when they say, I don't have much joy in my life, I always say this, you might want to check your relationship with God then. If you don't have much joy in your life, that sounds like maybe that's a you and a God problem. And it's not really a God problem so much as it's a you problem because God is always there. It's hard to explain joy, but you know it when you see it, right? When, when you see someone who exudes joy, you, you get it. When you see someone who exudes anger and negativity, you get it. So joy is this what should just come out of you, but it's not just joy. He also talks about being glad. And so this is what he says. He says, shout with joy and worship with gladness. And so being glad, this idea of being glad is just an expression of joy, right? It's, it's kind of, it's just a different part of what joy looks like. So here's what I know. There's a big difference in being glad and being sad. I'm really, really glad when my family comes to visit and the house is full. I'm really, really glad when they leave and the house is empty. <laughs> I'm, just being, I'm just saying what some of you are thinking right now. When my kids are coming, man, it is great, and I can't wait for them to get there, and the house is going to be full, it's going to be fun, and when they're gone, I'm like, you know what, this is pretty good too. <laughs> this, this isn't bad. Except for one, when that little girl leaves, that's a, different, that's a whole different story altogether. I could send the parents home and keep her, be fine, but they won't let me do that. And there are a lot of Christians who don't look very joyful and don't look glad to be alive. I had a, a worship leader friend who used to, every now and then he'd, he'd tell his church, he'd go, he'd just look out and go, man, y'all know we're in church, right? This ain't a funeral. Yeah, I mean, you should, y'all don't look like you're happy to be here. So think about this. Think about the church of this old hymn. I serve, a risen, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living, whatever men may say. 
I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. How is it that people, Christians can sing those words and not be happy and not be joyful and look grumpy and mad? Now, I get it. Sometimes it's, we, we kind of, and, and this is kind of a, just a big uh, scoping thing. We'll talk more about this maybe sometime down the road. Sometimes we don't like the songs because we don't like the way they're sung. Well, I mean, I'm just being honest. Sometimes we don't like the instruments that are being used. Sometimes we don't like them because it's not what we're used to. And we get grumpy because it's not what we want. And we miss out. It's not about the instruments. It's about the words that you are singing. That's what matters. I remember uh, this guy, this was uh, four or five years ago. Well, maybe longer than that now. But he was giving me grief about this song where he sung in church. And I opened my Bible and started reading to him. I said, what are you reading from? I said, that's from Psalms. That's what we just sang. That's what we just sang. What's the problem? Well, I know that's in the Psalm. I said, well, maybe that's a bigger problem. Not always the most tactful person. Here's what I'm saying. When we worship, we should be glad to be here. Especially if you can see what I'm looking at right now. You ought to be glad to be inside right now. Because you're going to get wet out there. When you sing songs about the risen Savior, living hope, hearing the words, well done, at the end of your life, how can we not be joyful? How can we not be glad that one day if we follow Christ, we're going to hear those words, well done? If you've gone through anything horrible in your life, how can you not take solace that Jesus is a living hope? Or the old rugged cross? Or whatever song you want to talk about. It doesn't matter how you do it or how you sing it. It's about the words. And really, truly, it's not about the words. It's about the condition of your heart. Grumpy people are never happy, no matter what. I'm just being honest. I have some grumpy uncles, and they're, and they're never happy. No matter what you do for them. Never, never happy. The natural expression of a grateful heart should be joy. And if joy's not coming out of you, joy's not coming out of me, the question we have to ask ourselves is what's the problem? Is it me or is it God? Now, when you ask that question, you already know the answer, right? It's never God. So if there's no joy in your life, maybe you should just go back to the basis and recheck where you are with Christ. The psalmist also talks about another thing that's really important. And in verse 3 says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. A grateful heart knows. Knows. And knowing something is really freeing, right? When you know, if you have a meeting, and you know what's going to happen in that meeting, what's there to be bothered about? What's there to be upset about? If you're, if you're like me, and you're like going through, and I'm watching old football games right now because I'm kind of missing college football, 
So I'm missing all these old games. And I find myself getting caught up in the game. I already know who's going to win. And I, get, oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, yeah, they're going to win. There's, there's, a, there's something about knowing that's reassuring. And, there, and a grateful heart knows that the Lord is God. A grateful heart knows that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what I'm going through, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault, I know that the Lord is with me. I know he is God. I know, I know. When you, if anyone who's ever had surgery or had a family member has had surgery, this is what every doctor tells you. There's a lot of unknown when you open up a human body. A lot of things can go sideways. They don't most of the time, right? But they can. No doctor ever, I've never heard of a doctor who says, I guarantee you this is what's going to happen. I guarantee you there'll be no complications. I guarantee you there'll be no problems. I guarantee you there'll be no minor setbacks. You know why? Because they don't know. If you fly, if you get on a plane, and I like to fly, it's a lot of uncertainty with getting on a plane. It sounds, well, maybe I shouldn't get in a plane. Well, if you drive to Statesboro on 301, there's a whole lot of uncertainty on 301. If someone comes up behind you fast, look at how many cars are in front of you. They're going around all of them. Our lives are filled with uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's happen with our kids. We don't know what's going to happen with our grandkids. We don't know what's going to happen with our job. Our lives are filled with uncertainty. So how do you find joy in uncertainty? You go to what you know. And this is what the psalmist tells us. We can know that the Lord is God. We can know that. We can know that he made us and we can know that we are his. That no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens on this planet, we are His. He made us in His image to fit with Him. And of all of creation, only humanity is made in His image. That fact alone should give you a reassurance about whatever you're facing in this life. The creator of the universe gave you life. The creator of the universe cares about everything that's going on in your life. The creator of the universe knows you. And a grateful heart knows that he is God. Just knows it. And with knowledge comes comfort and security. But there's another part of this. In verse 4, he says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and praise his name. So here's our, our next word. A grateful heart is thankful. Now, I know what you might be thinking. That's the same thing. And here's what I'm going to tell you. No, it's not. Not even close. Well, being grateful is being thankful. No, it's not. It's really not. It's not even remotely close to the same thing. Well, but, but, it's, but it's, I mean, when you're grateful for something, then you're thankful for it. Most of the time. It, it, so we need to understand that there's a difference. If, if the psalmist is describing a grateful heart, 
and he says a grateful heart is thankful, he must understand something about a heart. And so I want you to think of it this way, we're gonna, and we're going to talk about this, okay? Being thankful is driven by the depth of your gratitude, okay? That's what it is. Thankfulness comes from gratitude. Being grateful is driven by who you are in Christ and what he's done for you. They come from completely different sources. Being thankful comes from gratitude. Gratitude comes from who you are in Christ and what he's done for you and how he's blessed your life. I am thankful when my family gets together. I, I, I am thankful when we go to the beach together. But I'm grateful for my family wherever we're at. I'm thankful when my team wins, but my happiness isn't, you know, driven by my team winning, so I'm okay. I'm grateful when, when you're going through a really hard time, people show up. It's not the same thing. Sometimes our lack of being thankful is driven by our circumstances, right? What's going on in our life? You look around and go, I don't have much to be thankful for. But if you're a Christ follower, you always have something to be grateful for. And so if you, wanna, if you ever find yourself in a place where you're going, I don't really have much to be thankful for, just make a list of the things you're grateful for. Just make the thing. It's easy for me. And I could just do this all day, but I'll just do a few. Uh, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my church family. I'm grateful for friends. I'm grateful uh, for that dog over there. I'm grateful for the, that the Lord died for me. I'm grateful that he loves me. I'm grateful that his grace covers me up. I'm grateful that whatever I happen in this, happens to me in this life, he's with me. And I could go on and on and on and on. My list of what I'm grateful for far exceeds the list of what I'm thankful for. Because there's times what you're thankful for and about a month from now you might not be thankful for it. Right? You ever been thankful for a car until it broke down? All right? No one's thankful for a car on the side of the road with the engines blown up. Oh, thank, thank you, Lord, for this car. That's not how it works. Gratitude comes from your heart. And I think the problem is sometimes our expectations of God. It reminds me of this old story. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, and I'm almost certain it can't be true. All right. So the story is told of a lady whose son falls into a river. Man jumps in the river, saves his son. Swims out, man soaking wet, boy soaking wet, hands the little boy to his mom, not expecting anything in return. The lady looks at her son, looks at the man and says, Mister, he was wearing a hat. You didn't bring that? You see, sometimes, I think the problem is we're so busy looking at what we don't have that we don't pay attention to what we do have. Being grateful is about paying attention to what you do have. A grateful heart pays attention to what the Lord's doing in his or her life. Sometimes, I think we get sideways with God because we don't think he's doing what he's supposed to do. We don't think he's holding up his end of the bargain. Right? Because I wanted this, but you didn't. You did this, and that's not what I wanted. Until you find out down the road is exactly what you needed. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Lord always gives us exactly what we need when we need it. Always does. Even if we don't recognize that it's true. So here's my question. 
Are you entering his courts with a grateful heart? Do you have joy in your life? Do you have the assurance of knowing who God is in your life? Do you have things to be thankful for because God has blessed you so abundantly? And I'll give you a heads up. Uh, we'll talk about this more uh, in a couple months when we talk about money. You cannot, you cannot measure every blessing by your checkbook. You can't measure every blessing by how much you have. I am not wealthy, but I feel pretty rich in Christ. Two different things. And the psalmist puts it all together with these words. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Why should I have a, a grateful heart? Because the Lord is good. Good to me. He loves me and his love endures no matter what happens. And, it will, and his love will endure my lifetime and the lifetime of my kids and their kids and their kids until the Lord comes back. His love has no end. His faithfulness has no end. Why should we exude joy in our life? Because the Lord is good, he loves us, and he's faithful. Why should I, why should I have, live a life with the knowledge that the Lord is who he is, that he is God, that we are his, because he is good, and he loves us, and his love continues forever, his faithfulness continues forever. Why should I be great, thankful for the things God's given me? Because his, he is good, his love endures, and his faithfulness continues forever. Truth is, there's nothing you can ever do to make God love you more or less than he loves you right now. Talk about that all the time. And we'll talk about it until you get sick of it because then when you start, it starts sinking in. There's nothing you can do today to love you more than he loves you right now. There's nothing you can do today to make God love you less than he loves you right now. Here's what I believe. The moment you were conceived... God loved you as much as he does today. Not less and not more. His love doesn't mature over time. His love doesn't change over time. His love doesn't grow over time. His love is constant over time. Why should I have a grateful heart? Because there's nothing I can do that the Lord won't love me. Nothing. And he proved it by sending Jesus into the world for us. Christ is the picture of why we should have a grateful heart. Christ, the cross is a picture of why joy should naturally come out of us. It's the picture of this certainty of who God is. The question is, is your heart grateful? Or is your heart whining? Is your heart joyful? Or is it wishy-washy? The condition of your heart, the condition of my heart, the condition of our heart will determine who we are in Christ. So what's the condition of your heart? Father, we're grateful for uh, your 
short five verses, a little song. So packed with so much meaning, we didn't have time to dig through it all. It's a picture of how life should be every day, in every circumstance, in every situation. That we should exude joy and live with the confidence of who you are. Be grateful for what you have done and what you are doing and what you will do. The truth is we are all so richly blessed in ways that we cannot imagine. Sometimes we look around and we start comparing ourselves to other people. Their circumstances, their situation, their possessions. And we forget how richly blessed we are because we're too busy being unhappy about the things we don't have. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to focus on how you're blessed in our life and what you're doing in our life. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.